All right, um, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to teach for just a minute or two, um, starting in uh, Proverbs 29:18. here in just a moment. On Sundays, we've, we've been uh, endeavoring just to lay some foundation talking about what God's doing in the earth today. Uh, hopefully, we'll be a part of that. I'm not trying to get God into my agenda. I'm trying to find what God is up to, and I want to step into His will and His purposes. Now, the Lord isn't about capitulating to you and to me. He wants us to follow Him. And when we find His will and when we find what He's up to, and we step into the center of that, uh, that's where we will find help and blessing and uh, everything we could ever hope to want or need. And so uh, we've been talking about that, and here on Wednesday night, I've just been sharing a little bit, uh, laying some background and some foundational things that we might not ordinarily get to on a Sunday morning. And so we're still in this same area. Again, we're just teaching on what I've called church quake. I believe God's just shaking some things up in the life of his people. According to Hebrews 12 and 25, he says, I will shake all that can be shaken. Have you ever felt like you were getting shook? <laughs> you know, Jerry Lee Lewis once said, there's a whole lot of shaking going on. Sometimes that's how your life feels, doesn't it? A lot of shaking going on. But this is what the Lord says. The Lord says, I will shake all that can be shaken in order that which cannot be shaken shall remain. And every now and then our life has to shake in order for us to get the things off of us that really don't need to be there. It's, it's oftentimes a moment we can reprioritize our life. It's a moment where we can begin to see what's really of value and uh, we don't like shaking. We don't like it when we feel like things are not stable. Uh, you know, we're facing in our nation kind of a shaking time period with our economy and, and people not being able to find jobs and, and just sort of the upheaval that we see in the earth. There's a shaking going on. I honestly believe that while God may not be causing it all, he's certainly, certainly allowing it all in order that that which cannot be shaken shall remain. He's trying to get us to shake off all of our all of our carnal, weird, ungodly, unrighteous ways. And, and he's trying to get us focused back again on what is important to him. And again, in those verses, it says, I'll shake all that can be shaken in order that so that which cannot be shaken shall remain. Therefore, he says, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. And that's what it's all about. If we'll seek the kingdom, everything else finds its proper place. And so we've just been uh, at the beginning stages of sort of scratching into all this to see what God is up to and what he might be bringing us to. And so tonight I have a lesson for you. It may sound uh, like it is disconnected or not important to you, but I will assure you in the next 30 minutes uh, you will find it to be extremely relevant in your life. I call it the progressive nature of God's plan progressive nature of God's plan. Uh, if you have your Bibles and you open up to Proverbs 29, 18, we're going to read a verse. In the Old King James Version, I memorized this verse. Out of the Old King James Version, it said, where there is no vision, the people perish. If you have newer versions, it will say uh, other things other than what I've just quoted to you. But if I could take liberty and just bring a translation to it out of the Hebrew to help you understand what uh, was being endeavored to be communicated, it would read something like this. That's actually Proverbs, not proverbs. 
Proverbs 29:18. And, and, and listen, that's my fault because I typed the, I typed the uh, slides up tonight. It says, where there is no ongoing progressive prophetic insight and revelation of the will of God, the people will walk aimlessly and without direction until they die. I want you just to let that sink in for just a moment. Where there is no ongoing progressive prophetic insight and revelation of the will of God, the people will walk aimlessly and without direction until they die. That is so true. You can see it in people's lives when they don't know what God's up to. They can't see God working. They have no idea what God's will is for their life. They just are doing life sort of haphazardly and capriciously, maybe doing the best they can, trying to figure out everything. And the sad fact of the matter is a lot of times they're just walking around aimlessly until they die. And so uh, we would want better for you, and God wants better for you. He wants you to be able to hit the target. He wants you to be able... Uh, to press into his will and his purposes. Uh, he wants you to be able to know what he's up to and, and to feel not just a sense of contentment, but a sense of purpose in all that he's doing in the earth. There's a great passage in Isaiah as well, Isaiah 43, 18. It's one of my, one of my favorite passages, Isaiah 43, 18. Guys, do you have it back there to post? or No? Okay, we'll just read it here, Isaiah 43, 18. It says this, Do not remember the former things nor consider the things of old. Now, this is God speaking. He says, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The Lord is literally saying here, he's saying there's some things, you know, Paul said this too. He said, forgetting those things which lie behind, I press forward to those things which are ahead. And there are times that God says to each one of us, he says, it's time you forgot yesterday. You can't relive it. You can't recapture it. You can't go back to it. It might have been a great thing. It might have been a great experience. It might have been one of those high watermarks in your life. It might have been something that really brings fond memories to you. But there's, Or maybe it may have been difficult. It may have been tragic. It may have been tough. There might have been something that uh, has scarred you or marred you uh, and traumatized you. So there can be two sides, I would suspect, to that coin. But the Lord's looking at us, and, and imagine as if this were plugged in for today. He's looking at us, and he's saying, it is time to forget your yesterday. You know why? Because yesterday's gone, it's over, you can't do anything about it. It's said, it's done, it's in the file cabinet, and now you've got today, and you've got your future. And I'm here to tell you, God is in your future, he's not in your past. I mean, he's wanting to bring you into a new and good day. And he says this here. He says, I want to do something new in your life. I'd like to do it today. He says, now it shall spring forth. In fact, in one of the versions, it says, do you not perceive it? I, I like that particular translation because really what it is indicating is, is that maybe our perception is twisted or, or, or messed up. And somehow or another, we don't, we don't get that God's wanting to do something new. And, and the good news is, he says, you may feel like you're in a wilderness, but I'll make a road for you in that wilderness. He says, you may feel like you're in a desert, but I'll give you a river in your desert. Isn't that good news? I think it's good news. Now, whenever God moves in your life or in history, 
there's always a question I think we all will eventually face. And it's this. Is what God's doing in my life the climax of what he wants to do? Or is this just the commencement or the beginning of what he wants to do? Is this the rock that I'm just supposed to stand on for the rest of my life? Or will this be the stepping stone to another place that he wants to take me? Whatever God's doing in my life, is this the final room in the building that he's creating here? Or is this just a doorway that's opening up to something else? I've come to this conclusion. Until the day you die, God's always up to something. Because he's perfect He's inexhaustible. His uh, plans are incredible, overwhelming. The scripture says they're exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Now imagine that, that God has something for you that's exceedingly abundantly more than you could ask or think. So whatever you're thinking right now, God's got more than that. Which tells me that as soon as I think of something... That's even a God thought. And if I even step into it and embrace it, that even at that moment, God still has more because he's got more than I ever thought. Right? You're following me. So I just believe this until the day I die, God's always got something more or something else he'd like for me to complete. And if I come to the end and, and I fulfilled everything, then, then it's time for me to go home. Just like Jesus, when he completed the Father's plan, he was able to say, it is finished. Jesus is my model. I don't believe I can die until I can say it is finished. You got to say amen to that. Some of you thought you were finished today and you don't want to die, do you? No, of course not. You've got more that needs to happen. And so, so God has purposes. The Bible again says that David sort of served the purposes of God in his generation and then he fell asleep or then he passed away. That's how it works in all of our lives. We're to serve the purposes of God. We're to be in the plans of God. We're to continually walk with the Lord as he unveils and reveals and progressively moves us along in his will until we do that which we were created and destined to do. And so God is always unveiling and revealing more to us because there's always greater things to be done. Now, here's the question. I put it on the screen overhead. Here's the question. Why doesn't God dump the truck when it comes to vision? I mean, why didn't he do that? Why didn't he just get us kind of like when we're young, pulls us over in a corner, gets a projector screen up there, and just starts rolling off our life and says, this is what you're going to do with your life. Why doesn't God just, just dump the truck on us when it comes to vision? Why not just go ahead and reveal to us? When that, I, mean, I mean, I'm kind of an expeditious sort of guy. I mean, we, we, we could be far more economical here, Lord. But if I knew what the end game was, we, we, we could miss some of this insignificant middle stuff and we could just get to the end game. I've always thought of Joseph, who was sold into slavery, went to Potiphar's house, fell into false accusation, went to prison, but through that prison experience... Uh, God opened up the doors and he became second only to Pharaoh in all of Egypt. Now, could you imagine being pulled into a corner, God turning on the projector and showing you your journey to destiny? You'd sign up for that one, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, you'd be right in line saying, oh, yeah. Now, if he were just to say to you, I'm going to make you a ruler in Egypt, you'd all line up. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll volunteer for that one, Lord. 
I mean, I see all the perks and the benefits. I'll line up for that. But if God showed you how you were going to get there, I don't know that any of us would sign up for that. That's why God never dumps just the whole truck on us. Because he's really wanting us to be obedient. He's really wanting us to follow him and to trust him, even in moments and times in our life when it looks like it's going exactly the opposite of what we thought should have been happening. I've often said that the reason God doesn't give us the total picture is the same reason we don't teach first graders trigonometry. You don't get your first grade class and you start talking calculus to them or physics. Well, that would be fruitless. I mean, it's almost fruitless to teach them C-spot run. I mean, this is first graders. I mean, you're just trying to get them to sit there. Don't throw a spitball at Sally. No, you can't go to the bathroom. We just went to the bathroom. When's it snack time? When we were in kindergarten, we got nap time. Don't we get nap? I mean, I mean, that's first grade. And we're trying to give them calculus. Listen, that's sort of how it looks, I think, at times to the Lord. And that's why he just doesn't throw the whole thing on us because we just couldn't assimilate all the things that he might want to do. It works that way in your life. And it works that way in the history of the church as well. In, in, in the history of the church, God didn't dump all revelation out upon his church at one time. Why didn't he do that? Because, listen, in 1517, when Luther got the revelation that people needed to be born again by, by grace through faith and not of works, when he got that revelation and he began just to disseminate and preach that single thought right there, that was his thought, that you no longer had to go through an earthly man in order to get to God to be saved. He, 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 got the, he got the revelation that we could be saved by grace through faith. And that was such a powerful revelation. Listen to me. That's all God said. That's all God released. And there were wars over that. Wars. There were people burned at the stake. Tyndall and Huss. They just had that one little bitty revelation. And, and let me just say, the, the world didn't burn them. The church burned them. Now, do you understand why God just didn't dump the truck? He gave us just a line or two. And, and we went tilt. And, and so we need to understand that God builds in our life. And he builds in church life. And the minute you get cemented into some place, you're going to find yourself in a really hard place. Because God's going to provoke you to move forward in him. And if you've cemented yourself, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt getting you pulled out of that cement block. But if you stay pliable, and remember what I said? Jeremiah said it this way. He said, I got a vision. I saw a vision of the potter and a piece of clay. God is the potter and we are the, let's say that one more time. God is the, and we are the. That'll take you a long way in life. You're not sitting on the wheel going, I want to be a bowl. Or I want to be a cup. I want to be this or I want to be that. No, the clay sits on the wheel and it's real pliable. In fact, Jeremiah said that the potter actually took his fist and went like this. It was something, but then it was 
It says marred in the hand of the potter in order that it might be created into that which pleased the potter. You follow me? So, so you've got to understand that, that our walk with God is dynamic. It is a journey. He's working on us. He's building something in us. He's doing it in our personal lives. He's doing it in church. Listen, this is how it should be. If, if you say to yourself, well, you know what? I'm the same believer, type of believer I was 20 years ago when I met the Lord. That's no testimony. Because you should be changing daily, I would hope. More and more and more into his likeness, obviously walking closer and closer, hopefully embracing more and more the will of God in your life. That's what this is all about. That's what the proverb writer said. That's what all of this is about, that God is moving. He is building. Isaiah 28 and 10 says that line upon line, order upon order, precept upon precept, he's building things in our life. Revelational truth. He's taught you things. Anybody here ever learn a life lesson? Come on, be honest. Have you learned some life lessons? I mean, you, you listen to me. It's not that you heard it taught from me or from anyone else. I mean, you, you just stepped into something and you learned it the hard way. Anybody here like me? Just, I mean, how many more than once? Yeah. All right. Well, you know what? Sometimes God uses those things. He didn't cause it. It was probably... I know in my case, a dumb decision on my part usually. But he uses that thing in order to work truth in me. Now listen, and if I embrace that, then it becomes a, a building block by which he can begin to do even more in my life. Now here's been our, our problem. Our problem is we keep learning things over and over and over and over again until finally we're no further down the road than we were 20 years ago. Because we won't embrace what he's trying to build in our lives. And, and again, I, I, I love history. I'm just a weird guy. I love history. I love seeing how God moves through history providentially. I believe that God moves through history restorationally. So when he gave that revelation to Luther, Luther didn't get it all. He got a little piece of it. Everybody was meant to embrace it. And then along comes, and I mentioned to you Sunday, along comes the Wesley brothers. And they begin to speak about uh, another work that God can do in order to bring one into a sanctified, consecrated place. And, 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 and there were those that embraced it. And then there was the holiness movement, which, which uh, challenged the church to character and to pursue God with a sense of, of, of desire for righteousness. And, and then the Pentecostal movement came. And the reason he, he sent the holiness movement before the Pentecostal movement is because he knew we need a little character before we got power. Because even when we're getting power, we get brain cramps. And on and on and on, he builds one upon another. And he wants to do something incredibly great in our life. He is building in us and around us. And he's tired of starting from ground zero with people. And tonight, he's just speaking to us and he's saying, come on, embrace what I have done, but now forget your yesterday and let me build on it for today and in the future. Why does he do this? Why does God give us ongoing vision? Let me give you a couple suggestions here. Number one, why does he do that? Because he wants to challenge our nature to be satisfied with our status quo. 
Now, there's an appropriate place for contentment. Paul was clear when he spoke to us and he said, you know, in all things I have learned to be content. And there is an appropriate place for contentment. And I honestly believe contentment has more to do with stuff than it does with God. He's learned to be contentment with where he is, what he has. Of course, he'd been in prison. He'd been in the ocean. Uh, he'd been flogged. He'd been whipped. He'd been jailed. I mean, all these things that he had to learn in these adverse circumstances to be content. He knew how to be blessed, he said. There were times that he prospered and he was blessed. And, and he embraced those moments as well. I believe those are the things that we certainly need to be content and satisfied in him, even though it seems like it's adverse around him. But having said that, I don't believe that we should be content with regards to our desiring more of him and, and pursuing him and what he has for us. Now, it, it, it's kind of tricky when you teach this, because I know there will be people in this room that your natural impulse is, is to move. And, and, and your problem is that it doesn't take much for you to get a sign from God or, or, or something from the Lord, and, and you're, ready, you're ready to drop where you're at and what's going on and, and everything else, and you're ready, to, you're ready to roll. And I know that's your natural disposition. Some people, some people are adventurous by nature. That's not, that's not bad. In fact, God probably uses that in your life. But, but that's your natural disposition. You, you, just, like, you just like adventure. You like, it'd be, you'd, be, you'd be good with you know, changing locations and houses and cities and states you know, on the, every three months. You pack up and move. I mean, you're, just, you're ready for something new all the time. Listen to me. Listen to me. For you, God will help you learn what it means to wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Now, some of you have been waiting on the Lord almost since the day you were born. In fact, unless you get about five signs and a, and a solar eclipse, you probably aren't going to act on much of anything. You've planted your... And, and, and listen, and, and your stability is, is a good thing. God uses your, your stability. You're not some reed blowing in the wind. You're, you're pillar-like. These can be wonderful qualities. Neither one is, is necessarily bad at times. But we've got to understand that God's building things in all of us in order that it might help us reflect Him better and also get to the plans and the purposes of God in the, in the form of and in the way he wants us to get there. You following me? That's how come when you'll read the scriptures, there are times he says, um, you know, to wait on him, to seek him, uh, to, to, to move with some sense of prudence. But then there are other scriptures that says, seize it. Go for it. And you say, well, how do I know which one it is? That's, well, that's when you're going to have to hear God as he quickens that to your heart. And, and you begin to embrace that. Now, listen, the church is going to be a penetrating force in the earth. We, we are not to be this on the other side of the track, in impotent, uh, uh, anemic, powerless uh, gathering. God has called us to be a penetrating force in the earth. We are salt and we are light. I mean, we, we are the preservers of the culture. Culture doesn't realize it. I know the culture makes fun of us. The culture doesn't even get that if we weren't here, the whole thing would collapse the church. If you want to know what keeps this nation from imploding, it in Washington, D.C. 
It's churches like this church and, and thousands of other churches just like us who are faithful in seeking God and seeking Him and desiring all the Lord has and crying out for our nation and praying for our leaders and saying, God, just give us one more shot. And it's God who's listening to the cries of His people that keeps His hand from just wiping us out. So we're the, we're the penetrating force. But in order to penetrate, we're going to have to continually move in the directions that He's taken us. All right, number two. I believe we're to demonstrate cutting-edge Christianity. That's why the Lord gives us ongoing vision. I, 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 am, I am a expiration date nut. Whatever I pull out of the refrigerator, I always look at the date. Now, now, now saying that, it makes it sound like Tracy's trying to poison me. But, but I, it doesn't matter what it is. I could have bought it just a day or two ago. I'm going to look at that date. I go through the grocery store. And, you know, when I buy things, I always make sure I get the latest date. I mean, I'll, I'll crawl in the freezer to get the latest date. Because I don't want that thing spoiling. If you've ever got a mouthful of old milk, I'll tell you, it'll fix you forever. And I'm just like that. And you know what? And when we get close to the date... I'll take the, especially the milk. I'll start sniffing it. I, there's no way. I'm not going to get snagged on that one. And if it's close, ain't no way it's getting inside of me. No way. I look at the, the dates are incredible. Expiration. I'm just like that. Well, here's what I think. I think there should be some expiration dates on things in the church. You know, there are some songs. Isn't that true? They've run their course. That one, that one's, that one's expired. I mean, it's just, it's done. You know what's interesting? For those of you that have been around our circles for years and years, I can remember when our sort of music was coming out in the beginning. And some of you will remember it. Remember, this is the day. This is the day. Oh, yeah, yeah, they do that. And I, and I, oh, yeah. And then I remember they rush on the city. They run on the wall. Great is the army that carries out his work. That song drives me crazy. It, uh, I, I mean, but there was a day. I remember when this congregation in its day would sing that song. And I mean, it was crazy. I mean, it was crazy anointed. But I guarantee if Brad brought that one out, we'd have our Tuesday meeting. And I said, dude, that thing has soured. See, the, the re, we, we have to keep walking in what God's, God's got his hand on and his presence on today. It doesn't mean that everything just has to be new for new's sake. But you know what, what may have spoke to another generation? And I'm not talking about truth. I'm just talking about methods and ways and things. I mean, if it spoke to another generation, well, praise God. I remember being in seminary one time, and we had a special senior preaching week. This was, this was I couldn't believe it. In fact, I just thought of it standing here. The dude comes up. It was his turn in chapel. It was his day in chapel. And he gets up, and he reads the, like the 17... 38 message from Jonathan Edwards, which was sinners in the hands of an angry God in seminary, which you would hope would not be all that applicable there. But he, but he went ahead and read that sermon to us. Now, can I just share this? We don't use old English anymore. Um, we don't talk like that anymore. We, maybe we should. 
And he read that whole thing. It was it was painful that day. Now, listen to me. As painful as it was that day, do you know that there was a day, I'm just throwing out a date here, in, in, in whatever date it was, 1738, where he shared that with his congregation, and they were hanging on the pillars inside the church, screaming out because it was such a vivid imagery of what would happen if you fell into the hands of an angry God. There was a day that thing was, I mean, anointed, but the anointing had left the building that day in chapter. Why is that? It's, it's because God, God disseminated. It, it did its purpose. People either embraced it or they rejected it. But to those who embraced it, he established it. He used it. And now he says, I can build on that. I can build on that. And that's the part we have to be open to. Number three, got to rush. To receive a fresh awareness of Jesus Christ. Why does the Lord give us ongoing vision? Because whenever God speaks to us in any way, shape, or form, or he unveils to us his will, or he tells us a little bit more about what he's doing, or where he's leading, or where he's guiding, or he gives us perspective, or whatever it may be. I don't know about you, but at that moment, it's as if I just had a new shot in the arm of his presence. Isn't that true? If God comes to you and, and makes sense of what seemed to be senseless, at that moment, it's like you catch a new glimpse, a fresh awareness of Jesus. And I just believe that, that God is wanting to do that today. You may have walked with God for years, but let me tell you something. You can get new uh, insight from God today and in the days ahead, and everything gets fresh again. I was saved at age 18. I'm 52, 34 years. I've been walking with God. And you know, it was great that day I got up from an altar and I experienced his presence in my life. It was, it was a wonderful day. I'll never forget that day. But can I just share this with you? It is better today than it was that day. Now, I know there are some people, they walk with God for just a few weeks and they're bored. They walk with God for a month or two and, and then they start shaking. I'm just telling you that for me, I've walked with God and here I am 34 years later. And it, I, this is terrible English, but it's just gooder and gooder. It's bad English, but you'll remember that. And then finally, I think it motivates and inspires our daily walk. That's why he gives us fresh revelation. We all need fresh goals. We all need fresh vision. We all need, we all need fresh things in our life. And, and usually when God gives us something new, it requires new faith to apply it and to walk it out. Now, how do we get there? Twelve minutes. You're going to listen fast, right? How do you get there? This is, this is for you. Apply it to your life. Number one, you have to be hungry for what God is doing today. Do you want God to speak to you today? Do you want God to do something in your life today? Do you want him to unveil something to you today? Do you want him to make sense of something today? Do you want him to give you perspective on things today? Do you want him to unfold another, another couple steps of his will today? Do you, do you want to have understanding as to why things are the way they are? Hey, you know what? you got to get hungry to hear from God. We just think we, we have developed a, a doctrine of sovereignty that we all sit around like couch potatoes, sort of waiting for God just to break through on his own accord and just somehow hit us and scream at us. And he's just going to download it into us when we least expect it, when we don't even uh, know it or maybe even want it, because God's sovereign and God can do anything God wants to do. Well, it could happen that way, but most of the time he reserves his work for those who pursue him 
and seek Him and want Him. As the deer panteth for the water, the psalmist said, so my soul longeth after you, O Lord. He says, seek me, seek me, call out to me, he says, and I will show you great and mighty things that you have not seen. you got to get hungry. You have not because you ask not. You have not because you ask not. And a lot of times you just need to say, Lord, I need some answers. I want some answers. Now, does that mean he's obligated at that second? No, because a lot of times, and I just, this is my own little thought here, is that sometimes I think God hides himself to see if you'll come seek him. Will you come seek me with all your heart? Will you come after me? Are you just after me because of what I'll do for you? Or are you after me because you just want to be around me? Think about this. If, if your kids only called you on the phone, and some of us have older children and know exactly where I'm going with this, and all they call you up for is, can you send some money to my bank account? Can you give me something? Give me, and all you hear from them is the give me phone call. That gets real old. But when they call you up and they say, Mom or Dad, I just called you up to tell you I love you, I appreciate you. I was thinking about you today, and I just wanted to call you and tell you. And it might not take but 60 seconds, and you hang up, and all of a sudden, it's that's gold at that moment. What do you think God feels like when we're going, heal me, deliver me, resource me, get me out of this, come on, do, 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 do. And, and sometimes I think God just says, I just want to see if you're just going to want me. Do you want me? Do you want me? So we got a hunger for this. Number two, I think you ought to hang around people with vision. If you're going to hang around people with no vision, don't be surprised if you catch that. But if you hang around a place that's got a little vision, and you hang around people that's got some vision, and you hang around people that want what God's doing, and you, and you, you know, associate and rub shoulders, it's amazing how that stuff will jump on you. That's called leavening. Scripture says there's a leavening that can take place. There's, there's bad leavening and there's good leavening. It's why we all pray that our children associate themselves with good kids. Because if they associate with good kids, it tends to help them be directed toward good things. If they associate with bad kids, it tends to pull them in directions we don't want them to go. Now, I understand about outreach and all that, but my, you know, but my child also is not... Uh, necessarily the, you know, going to missionary uh, associate uh, because he hasn't or she hasn't perhaps been raised up in order to be strong in their faith. So I understand that there's moments we do have to reach into people's lives that they don't know the Lord and, and, and they're troubled. And I, so I get that. But at the same time, we have to understand that they can't set the temperature of our life. They can't set the standard in our life. I mean, if you can't, if you can't move in a difficult situation with difficult people and be the standard bearer, then you don't need to be in that situation. God hadn't called you to go outreach to people so you could be drugged down into their mire. He called you to be there in order to help lift them up to where you're going. See, that's, that's evangelism. And, and, and we just need to hang around people that have vision, that are going somewhere. I want to hang around people that are optimistic, they love the Lord, they want to go somewhere, because you know what? It rubs off. And I want to be someone that other people want to hang around because they know what's in me will rub off on them. Thirdly, again, we've mentioned this, we've got to ask God for fresh understanding and insight. You want fresh vision? Well, ask Him. Say, Lord, I need some fresh vision, man. I, I, I just need to, 
to hear from you again. Tell me, uh, tell me that it's okay. Affirm where I'm at. Give me a sense of peace. Maybe open up the window. Let me see some more. I, you know, just start asking. That's what, I believe God isn't trying to keep a lot secret. He's trying to speak some things to us. And then finally, I often tell people this. Number four, um, complete your obedience in the last insight God revealed. If you want fresh insight, a lot of times this is a good one. Did you do what he did, what he told you to do, or did, did you complete the last thing that God may have mentioned to you? Now, it may be that you can't, and so then you just need to repent and say you're sorry, and then, Lord, give me my next marching orders. I knew I blew that one, but please, let's, 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 I want to go forward with you, and he who is full of mercy, and he's long-suffering, and he's compassionate, he forgives, and, and you can get yourself dusted off, and you can go forward again. But for a lot of us, he will say this. Did you do what I told you last time? Why should I give you anything more when you aren't doing the last things I told you to do? Come on. You can't do the next thing because you haven't allowed the last thing to be built in you. Are you following me? See, we're wanting to go to the third, fourth, fifth, tenth floor, and we don't have the foundation complete yet. And God says, let's get the foundation completed, let's get the first floor done, and the second floor, and then we can talk about how high the skyscraper is going to go of your life. And if you aren't going to let God do that, then you will circumvent the possibilities that he has for you in your future. I've had people come to me and they've looked and they said, God prophesied somebody came through and they prophesied this to me and i felt like god spoke this to me and i felt like this was in my future i felt like this was in 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 my destiny and i don't understand why why hasn't it come to pass was it a false prophecy did i not hear from god was there something you know that that i just missed in this hey it could be that you didn't let him form you in an earlier place because there's no sense building on that which will crash anyway are you following me i hope that makes sense because that's why his church has forever struggled in the earth the reason we as the church have never mirrored the book of acts which is not the ending place but folks it was the beginning place but the reason this has never happened is because we have never allowed God to work in us the things that it will take in order to be a church that looks like this one. Now, that doesn't mean we're evil. It doesn't mean we're bad. And it doesn't mean that God's necessarily just all fire mad at us. But he's just saying, why would I dump apostolic anointing and power on my church in the 21st century when if I gave it to you, Everybody be carted out dead like Ananias and Sapphira. He's not out to kill us. Well, I, well in, a, in a spiritual way, maybe he is. So that he might live. You're following me, aren't you? See, that's why it's so important. And I'm talking about a church like ours. And our church, you know, it can be defined as trendy or contemporary. It can be defined as Pentecostal or charismatic, and, and I hate labels. And the reason I hate labels is because a label never quite defines all of who you may be. And somebody asked me one day, they said, well, how would you define your church, or how would you label your church? And I said, you know, I don't know anymore. I think I'll just label it whatever God's up to today I want it. That's kind of where I'm at. But, you, but saying that is conditioned upon whether or not I'm going to embrace 
all that he's built through the years. You see, just because just because we believe in the power of God doesn't mean we get rid of the, the holiness and the character of God. Are you following me? See, just because we believe in the gifts of the Spirit doesn't mean we can circumvent the discipline of the Spirit. See, he's trying, he's trying to build something in us that he can begin to go into the next dimension. I hope you let the Lord do that in your life. You know, I, I pastor the church and I do my best in order to present a church in as much as it is possible in a voluntary organization. I do as best as possible to say, Lord, I want to be obedient as, as a leader. I want to be able to present to you the, at least the possibility that you could release to us the power and the possibility that they had in those early days of the church. Lord, if we're not there, then talk to us. If something isn't built in us right, then Lord, let it be built in us right. But Lord, that's, that's what I want. That's where we're going. I just want you to know. And it not only works that way for us, it works that way for you. If you want God to do the, the, the great, the big, the exceeding abundantly, ask yourself, have I allowed him to build in me all the things that need to be built there so that when I come into that day, I can sustain it? I work with pastors all of the time who forfeit and are disqualified from their office because they didn't have discipline. They didn't have character. They didn't have all those foundational qualities in their life that when they reached a place that God started just releasing a little bit more to them, they crashed. I've seen that happen in people's lives. I've watched people for years. They, they, they've struggled in their poverty, and all of a sudden, because, because uh, you know they, they believed God on some principles, he began to prosper them and get, promote them and, and give them more. And I've watched people literally go from poverty into prosperity and and they prospered themselves right out of the house of god because they have money and they 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 get their toys and they go all the places and they do all the things and they just for whatever reason they just get distracted and then all of a sudden they crash you understand why god sometimes is doing us a favor where he says come on get get, get this stuff established and then i can build and he will build. And he can build in a hurry. He said, I will restore the years. Yes, he will. Amen. 7.30, I told you I'd stop. I'm stopping. Stand with me, will you? Let's pray.